Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of 10 Minutes to a Better Building. I'm your host, Tyler Kern. Thank you so much for joining us here for this podcast brought to you by Boland today. Now, on this episode of the podcast, we are diving into VRF, and we're going to tell you the ins and outs and talk about when VRF might be right for certain people and certain circumstances. And so joining me, luckily, we have an expert here today. His name is Jason Lawrence. He's the VRF technical specialist at Boland. Jason, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for joining us. Hey, Tyler. How are you? I am well. How are you this morning? Good. I'm glad to be here and uh, yeah, good to see you. Yeah, this is uh, this is going to be a great episode, and I think this is a really great topic to to dive in and discuss um, because Jason, you have a lot of uh, of specialized knowledge in this area. So, Jason, while most of our regular listeners are probably familiar with VRF, there might be some um, who could use an introduction to the system. So, give us a brief rundown of what VRF is and and how it works. Okay. Yeah, most most VRF, it's it, what it is is it's heating and cooling equipment, and uh, you know it's it's a split system. So we have a condenser outside, and then we have uh, indoor units. We could have we could have up to fifty indoor units, or we could have something as simple as as a condenser with one indoor unit. Um, and what what di- what's different from other heating and cooling equipment is uh, it's a BX refrigeration system, but it has refrigerant in it, but the compressor is actually uh, modulating variable capacity. Same thing with the fan motors. So we're able to, to match capacities um, in, in the, the building, match the loads. No. Uh, so Sorry, go ahead, Jason. There's multiple different types of indoor units. And, you know, we have the ones most people have probably seen that hang on your wall. Uh, it's just it's just like a, a, a white long thing. It's got the little blade on it and very quiet. But they uh, and then some of them take the place of of your ceiling diffuser in a in an office setting or something like that. And then there's ones that look like a standard uh, split system air hammer that you'd have in your house. Excellent stuff. So so Jason, some people, if you Google VRF, might see that it they that that some people are saying that it's ductless. That that's what that means. Is that always the case? And if if not, I, I mean, maybe give us a brief explanation if possible. Now, ductless is almost it's it's almost uh, um, an, an improper term, but it, it's named after a lot of those units like the wall mount that I talked about in the ceiling cassette. But there's a lot of ducted units as well uh, that have air ducts on them. Uh, the you know, the difference being um, that we can we we may have a smaller duct system on a VRF unit. Uh, it, it would sm- maybe cover a smaller area because these are set up to more do zoning where you have your own control of the thermostat in each area we we like to call it a controller more than a thermostat um just because the the controller communicates with the system and a thermostat merely just makes and breaks contacts so i guess that would be the difference there but uh yeah we're able to control to different temperatures kind of like a zoning system with individual units throughout the space so you you have a smaller duct system if anything maybe feeding one space generally so, Jason, maybe break down some of the benefits of employing a VRF system. Uh, talk us through some of those benefits uh, that, that someone might experience if this were the, the the thing they decided to go with. Okay, yeah. So, if if like a regular system, something like you have in your house, uh, you have a setting on your thermostat, and let's say we're, it's it's summertime and we're a couple degrees warmer than what you've set on your thermostat, your unit comes on full full crank 100 percent, right and it's it's running 
at 100% of its capacity. If it's a three-ton unit, it's running three tons of cooling uh, all the way down to where it meets the set point, and then it turns off. And then it sets for a little while, and when the temperature comes back up, bang, it's on 100% again, and then it turns off. So it's similar to, to say, uh, a car, the VRF system is able to match the load, right? So when when we're at a stop and we have to start up in the beginning, then obviously we have to apply more energy in order to get get everything running up to speed. Uh, but once we get to that speed, kind of like your car on the highway, once you you reach the speed, you back off of the gas pedal a little bit and just kind of maintain a certain a certain uh, amount of input. And that's kind of what the BRF system is able to do. We, uh, we want it to match the load. It, it stops so much of the slamming on and off. Um, so it's very energy efficient that way. Uh, we're able to remove more humidity because we have a longer runtime. Uh, and it just keeps people uh, even temperatures throughout and and comfort. It's also quiet, you know, extremely quiet system. Uh, so you, you barely even know these things are running. Sometimes even the condensers outside, uh, especially some of the smaller ones, people can walk by and wonder, you know, if it's even working, you know, is the compressor running in that or is that just the fan moving real slow? And, uh, so yeah, that's another real benefit is that it's quiet. Another, another benefit is that they fit into small spaces, you know, so a standard system, your unit, um, might be large and you have, might have large ductwork and, and the builder has to allow a lot of space for that mechanical equipment to go. And you see things like bulkheads that are built around ductwork in your house and things like that that aren't pleasing for people. Um, so when when we run, the, when we have these systems, they're, they're smaller indoor units and we're just hiding a little bit of piping or wiring that runs to them. So we're able to put them in spaces, a lot of older buildings where, uh, you know, you may not have space dedicated for a mechanical system and now we can heat and cool without changing the aesthetics too much so so that sounds like a, a lot of pretty incredible upsides right everyone is looking for ways to be more energy efficient and, and things along those lines and so um are there downsides so what are some of the downsides because right now I, i'm just thinking like this sounds like a no-brainer for a lot of uh, a lot of people a lot of buildings a lot of situations so what what are some of the downsides that might sway someone uh, against going with vrf well, okay, so I guess more than a downside, maybe I would I would uh, call it you know possible pitfalls or things to watch out for. You know, so so just like any system, there's there's places and applications where VRF applies, and then there are other places where maybe it won't do so well. Um, but VRF is is uh, you know, so if you have a system, say you had one of these larger systems where you had forty or fifty indoor units on it, and you wanted to apply something like that, um, you could have you could have almost 200 pounds of refrigerant in that system. So if you're feeding some smaller spaces with that, it's one big open refrigerant system. So if, if there's a leak or a sudden large leak, you could you could theoretically lose all of that refrigerant into a small space and possibly su suffocate occupants. So uh, there's ASHRAE 15, which is um, put in place to make sure that the system is not able to displace all of the air in the rim in a certain amount of time. And there's calculations for that, but we won't necessarily get into all of that. So in a, in a, in an application like that, where you might be feeding a smaller space, maybe we just need to add a smaller condenser for that, that smaller space, um, or, or just work with more than one condenser and, you know, less indoor units to keep the system smaller. So, that's just one thing that we have to watch out for when we apply VRF. Um, 
And another another thing to watch out for is or another concern that people have. And I think it's it's kind of blown up to something that, that people find scary because they don't know. And it's, um, you know, it can be more of a complex system. So uh, standard conventional HVAC equipment, there's a lot of things that are are kind of standard and standardized, the, the thermostat wiring, the R, the W, the Y, those things might be the same from brand to brand. Whereas um, with VRF, there's, there's a lot of things that don't apply from brand to brand. You know, one brand may do their addressing completely different than another brand. And one brand might use a different con uh, communication wire, have different processes than another brand for evacuating or parts of the installation. So contractors out there have to work with more than one brand. And uh, I'm lucky I get to focus on 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 one. You know, <laughs> we like to think ours is the best, um, but it's uh, it's harder for them, you know, to keep track of everything. So it's really important that uh, that, that the training takes place and that we we get uh, people trained on it. You know, some of these manuals are 300 to 400 pages long, and that, that can be that can be a little bit scary. But for the most part, there's so much of that that doesn't apply to to one application or another. It's just covering so much because there's so much diversity in what we can do. Right. Now, I think that that maybe some of those factors that you're mentioning there at the end, especially, you know, the length of the manuals and things along those lines uh, speak to the importance of contractor training. Right. So talk us through the importance of that and maybe some of the resources that exist in that realm. It's, it's really important that the contractors get uh, trained and we see every day examples of when contractors are, are not trained and we run into problems on on jobs and we, you know, it, it could be something just as simple as selecting the wrong control wire. Uh, you know, it, it wouldn't be that hard, you know, or it wouldn't be a problem if we just ran the right, you know, everything else is done right, but we have a control wire that doesn't have a shield on it or something like that. And then we don't have communication through the whole system and it can be days of labor to go back through and rip all that out. And then the extra material costs and things like that, where if we just knew, um, you know, sometimes people are intimidated by that big manual, like I was talking about, and they don't want to go searching through there and read the whole manual before they start. You know, most of us, we, we get the, uh, the, the piece of furniture from Ikea and we throw the directions away. We'd start putting it all together. Well, some of that happens, you know, out in the field too. So it's good to have uh, the background and at least know uh, where to find uh, the answers. And, you know, we go over in our training class um, how to search through the manuals and you know just search a keyword and find what you're looking for uh and, and just in general how to quickly find the information that we need um and it's it's you know it could be a, a more major thing than just replacing some wire too i mean you know there's there's we could have refrigerant piping or heights that are out of the limits and things like that that could have been caught had we knew, known what we were what to look for and how to use the software that we have that verifies that all this, this will work, you know, so it, it can save a lot of time and money for, for contractors to, to just have, you know, the invest a little bit of time in the training for sure. And tell us about the, the resources that Boland has available for, for training in this area as well. We have, we have an awesome training center that it just got updated uh, to the, the newest, latest, greatest end generation of uh, Mitsubishi City Multi-Equipment, and it's in Lanham, Maryland. Um, we have condensers set there, air-cooled condensers, and 
many different ductless units as well as a couple of ducted units there uh, connected with the controls and everything. So we can put our hands on it. Uh, we can we can do startups. We can troubleshoot. You know, we do a portion of the class where we go in and you know maybe set some switches incorrectly or disconnect a wire or something and let the people figure out what's what's wrong. Um, so yeah, it's it's a it's a really a great resource for us. We have a classroom next door, and we do a classroom portion portion of it as well. So some hands on and uh, classroom training. Uh, so it's it's a real benefit. And if you take this training uh, and you finish it, it's a it's it's like one day online and two days in person. The one day online is really about four hours of video, so it doesn't have to take you a whole day. Um, but you then you then become certified, and you as a contractor. Can submit your project for the uh or i can help you you know part of my job is to help you submit the pro the project for the extended warranty which means we go from you know one year compressor warranty to a 10-year compressor warranty and seven years on the parts to 10 years on the parts so you get a lot of benefit out of that wow that's some uh that's some incredible stuff and uh and the resources that bolin provides is obviously um just uh just top notch in, in this area so jason as we begin to wrap up this podcast today and uh and take a look back at some of the things we discussed uh do you have any final statements any final thoughts or conclusions you'd like to make just uh to, to wrap us up here today uh in our discussion about vrf i i i'll just go over my role a little bit i really like what i what i'm doing here and um you know, I get to meet with contractors. So part of what we're we're offering, not just the the training class, you know, where we can go out and and meet the um, contractors on, at our training center. I, I actually do site visits and meet them on site anytime that uh, VRF is purchased, uh, trained VRF. Then then I have a site meeting with those contractors. We can go over review some of the things they've learned in the class. If they haven't learned anything in the class, I can give them a quick, a quick crash course, <laughs> at least to make sure that they avoid the, the most common blunders that we have. Um, so I think it's it's really great. Uh, you don't see that kind of product support uh, throughout the industry. So it's really good that, that we, we offer that support and it's there for contractors. Excellent stuff. Jason Lawrence, VRF Technical Specialist at Bolin. Jason, thank you so much for joining us here on 10 Minutes to a Better Building and uh, breaking this all down for us. Oh, you're welcome. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. And everyone, thank you for tuning into this episode of 10 Minutes to a Better Building with Boland. We appreciate it very much. Of course, we have lots of episodes of the show, so go back and check out those previous episodes and stay tuned for upcoming episodes as well, where we'll talk to more thought leaders like Jason about their expertise and what they're doing in the world of, uh, of making buildings better. So stay tuned for that. But for this episode, for my guest today, Jason Lawrence, I've been your host, Tyler Kern. Thanks for joining us.